Welcome back to Podcast Recovery. We are your hosts, David O. And Eric B. And we, are, we would also like to uh, introduce our special guest host with us tonight, Victoria. Hi. Hey. Yay, we have a girl in the studio. Um, and we, today we are joined by our very friend uh, from Glen Burnie to Atlanta to New York, <laughs> Cynthia. How are you doing? Hi, I'm well. How are you guys? How's everyone? Doing great. Good. I'm Good. feeling great. Yeah. And what's really good is you're going to hit the whole eastern seaboard demographic, so we're, we're covering a lot of bases here. <laughs> yeah. Right? I'm pretty happy yeah. about it. If you, could do, if, you could do, it. if you could do like a Glen Burnie, southern draw, Brooklyn accent mixed, oh, that would God. be... That That'd would be, be weird. It would be... I don't even know how that would work. It would be like a cockney I don't even know what that Welsh would sound like. Nobody, nobody would understand it. It would just be vernacular no. that probably only South Carolinians would understand for some reason. Okay. Right. So anyway, we Okay, so where you're from? Where are you from, Cynthia? Tell tell the audience. Well, yes. So I'm a I was born in Georgia, actually. I'm a military kid. So oh. I spent a lot of my time growing up uh, between Glen Burnie, Maryland, as you guys have given you given out Spoiler. given the shout out to Glen Burnie, G B. As well as um Germany. So oh, um, really? Yeah. Where in Germany? I used to. I used to be fluent. Oh. Uh, Mannheim and Baumholder. We lived there for five years, though. And then nice. we came back and settled in lovely Limburney. Jesus, that's a damn <laughs> bad. I'm sorry. Womp womp. Womp womp. All right. Um, so when were you first introduced to recovery? So I was introduced to recovery. I live in Brooklyn, New York now, and I've been here for quite some years. I don't even remember anymore. Um, but I started going to therapy maybe like, I don't know, two or three years ago. And my therapist would always bring up my drinking because I would because I work in advertising. And I don't know if you guys are familiar or maybe your listeners are, but Eric it's a is. very much work hard, play hard yep. type of thing, like very it is kind of like Mad Men, but, you know, more modern in certain ways. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of drinking, mm, and it's a lot is. of high stakes and stuff. Um, and so my drinking was pretty bad before I entered into advertising, but then it just kind of escalated because you could just, it was normal. You know, you could drink mm. at lunch. You could drink. There's happy hours. There's people going out after work. There's Christmas parties. There's parties for everything. Like even today I was in the office and they popped open a bottle of champagne at like two in the afternoon and they were drinking mimosas or drinking. It's Friday. You know, what was just because it was Friday? Just because it was Friday. Yeah, it's Friday. <laughs> what? It's Friday. We made it. Oh, so, fuck. Yeah, it's, you know, we had bars at like little mini bars. We would bring in our favorite alcohol, sit them on our desk. It's like, it's just common to see. It wasn't, and, um, but I would talk to other people about that and people would be like, what the fuck? Really? That's what, (laughs) that's what you, that's okay. That's what you do. And my therapist would always, when I was going to her and I'll talk to her about it and like, I went here and we start drinking at like noon and then I don't remember. And she would ask me questions about like, well, you know, how many times a week do you drink? And I'd be like, oh, I drink every day. And she's like, you don't think that's kind of a lot? I'm like, and, she would be, and then she would ask like, well, how many drinks? I'm like, I don't know, three, four. I don't know. I lose count after a while. Mm-hmm. And um, so, 
so she would start bringing it up like, well, maybe do you think you have a problem? Do you? And I was like, nah, you know, I'm good. Everyone in my circle does that. I'm it's normal. Um, and then, but then, you know, she would ask me about like blacking out and if I would do things that I don't remember and like all this other type of stuff. Cause there's other stuff of course happening mm-hmm. due to my drinking and like things like I would act out in certain ways. And you know, that was also like problematic for me, but I was just thinking, well, that's what everybody does. And then, and she was like, well, no, not everyone, um, does that. So, um, it took me a series of rock bottoms. Like I hit a pretty bad one last year. Mm-hmm. I've had others before, but I kind of just brushed it off. But I think the one that I had last year and it was kind of like compiled with being, I've, I also had like a health scare Oh. where they were, my doctor was concerned about my liver thinking like I was starting to have like cirrhosis of the liver Ooh. and everything like that. Wow. And, um, yeah. Uh, it kind of scared the shit out of me, yeah. and um, and I remember her telling me, like, my doctor saying, like, well, you know, you shouldn't drink. Like, you can't drink up to, like, a week before the test, and I was like, oh, okay, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine, and I ended up, like, drinking every day. I think I got, like, blackout drunk almost every day um, leading up to the test, so that was lovely, and um, so after that, that's when I really kind of started opening my eyes and being more open and receptive to like hearing like, maybe there is a problem. Maybe there's something I need to really like look into mm-hmm. um, and like slow my ass down because I was just balls to the wall for like so many years of my life. And I guess that's when I started really kind of looking into recovery or recovery culture. Mm-hmm. I was on Reddit a lot. I would Google, I didn't really want to step foot into like an AA meeting because I was like, that's a cult and that's not for me. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. That's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I, the journey started for me definitely um, at the end of last year for sure. All right. And how long have you been sober? I've been sober. It'll be 10 months on uh, November 1st, y'all. Yay. Yes. Golf clap. That's exciting. Golf clap. <laughs> Congrats. Congrats. Thank you. The golf clap sounds <laughs> condescending, but it's not. We just can't hurt our microphones. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> totally it's fine. True. All right. I run with it. Well, with all that out of the way, I'm going to turn it over to you to share your story with us. So take it away. Cool. Awesome. So my story, um, I come from, I, I, it's kind of weird. Like I've talked about my story in bits and pieces and like me- meetings and rooms. I'm actually in AA now, so I guess I'll cover that as well. Oh, you joined happened. the cult. Good for you. I did. <laughs> How's the Kool-Aid? Um, Is it good? Uh, no, I'm uh, kidding. It's, it's been interesting. <laughs> it's been interesting. Um, well, not, well, I come from a very religious, conservative, black family. Mm-hmm. From this, My dad and my mom are both, both born in the South. Mm-hmm. Southern so, Baptist? Uh, they didn't. Uh, no, my dad's a Seventh-day Adventist, actually. Oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> if you know what that is, everybody's like, oh, I David do. Crush and all this. <laughs> yeah, the way they got famous was from A Dingo Ate Your Baby. That's how they got yeah. famous. They were Seventh-day Adventists. You're welcome. You learned mm-hmm. something, Eric. Yeah, it's always it's always like cults or whatever whenever someone knows what Seventh-day Adventist is. But my dad's heavily in it. Mm-hmm. He was like a pastor, preacher. But he didn't drink, didn't smoke. Um, he doesn't even swear. And then my mom didn't really drink or anything like that. So we weren't raised around alcohol mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, 
so my story is like, I don't really have story, like story of me, like drinking when I was young. I mean, yeah. I would sneak a little bit with my friends, but nothing major. A lot of my stuff had to deal with just like food and having like impulsive compulsions around that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so I had like an eating disorder when I was younger cause I was just like heavier and then that kind of, so I, and that kind of merged into like taking a lot of pills and everything like that. So mm. in Glenburnie, there was like a plethora of that. It was so easy to get a hold of. So, oh, yeah. and a lot of my friends, <laughs> we were into like popping pills and trying different things there and like smoking and things like that. Um, but still I'd kind of just stayed away from the drinking. I didn't really do that too much. And then, um, when I was, there was a lot of stuff that's happening. I come from kind of like a traumatic background and I just didn't know what to do with a lot of things and I didn't know how to talk about it. And I had some older friends in me around me and he would help get us like alcohol and things like that. And mm-hmm. I think I didn't really, I started drinking late. So I think I was like 18, 19 or anything like that. I didn't really experiment because my goal was to get the hell out of Bloom Bernie. So I was hell bent on not doing anything to kind of fuck that up. Fantastic goal. Um, (laughs) I had to get out. Um, But when I started, but I remember when we, he would buy us alcohol and everything like that. And I would get blackout drunk every time. Like I didn't, wouldn't take a couple sips. I wouldn't just have one drink. I would drink like the whole damn bottle. Mm -hmm. And I remember like the first time I really got drunk, I thought that was the greatest feeling because I just, my mind like turned off because I, my mind goes 50 miles a minute. I talk really fast. I'm processing things. It's like my stream of consciousness is like insane. Mm -hmm. And I just, it took me out of my head and it calmed me down and it slowed me down and I didn't think. And I remember just loving that feeling and never wanting that to go away. So that's another reason why. And the only reason I thought, and the only way I thought I could keep getting that feeling is to just get like blackout drunk Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to just remember anything at all. So, and when I started doing that, we would have parties and things like that. You may hear, I'm trying to like, hold on, let me close my window. But, uh, um, cause it's loud in Brooklyn. So, <laughs> yes. um, can you guys hear that? A little bit. Oh. Is that yeah. a siren? Yeah, it's a siren. It's Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I was, when we started doing all this stuff, I would always like the next day people were like, well, do you remember what you did? Do you remember what you did? And I was like, no, I just thought I was just having a good time. I don't really remember anything, but I was always the one that was having like all these crazy stories. Like I would be naked on the radiator walking around. I would be wetting, pissing the bed. I would be fighting. I would be doing all this stuff. And, and those aren't great stories. Those are terrible stories. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they thought they were funny. You know, you know, you're laughing. You're just like, ah, and I was like, oh, I was laughing off and I would play it off. Oh, drunk Cynthia. Oh, (laughs) drunk Cynthia. Just (laughs) naked on the radiator yet again and falling down the stairs. (laughs) Um, You have great friends. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I know. I don't really talk to much of them. I don't really talk to any of them anymore, but, um, so that kind of like started my kind of, I, I would say probably then I had a problem, but I just kind of blew it off and I would just go, um, ignore it. Cause I was like, well, everybody has those, ex- those stories and those experiences. Mm-hmm. And in college I was, I didn't really drink that much. I kind of slowed down cause I wanted to get out of Towson as fast as possible. 
But when I moved to Atlanta, um, it kind of picked back up again. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, there was a lot of stuff that happened. Like I lost my mom and she died when I was 23. Um, I had to really be really mature and strong for like my age. So I had to take care of like my dad and my brother and stuff like that. Cause they were falling apart. So I kind of just had to keep up that appearance, but how it came out was like, I would just cover it up by drinking. Cause I didn't know how to feel anything like mm. at all. Oh, yeah. And in Atlanta, like, you know, I did a lot of like stupid shit because, you know, you have to drive everywhere in Atlanta. So there was the driving drunk and everything like that. And I would remember like knowing where the speed traps were. Cause if you caught caught in the speed trap, they could do a breathalyzer on you. And it's yeah. like, I would know this type of stuff. And, but to me, in my mind, I was like, well, doesn't everybody know this? Like, does it, you know, I'm not the only one, you yeah. know, I thought that was the things that, you know, and no, looking back on it now, I'm like, well, that shit's crazy. Cause no, people don't sit around and think about like the speed traps and the breathalyzers like I did. And, yeah. um, I would show up at like my friends. I had my, have my friends would tell me stories. Like I would show up at these parties. Obviously I drove there, but I have no recollection of ever being at the place. I remember being at the party then leaving and showing back up, but, knowing that I had to drive. And I think it was just kind of me wanting to just escape my life. A lot of the times drinking is just like my escape a lot because mm -hmm. I didn't want to think, I didn't want to feel, I didn't want to know or understand anything because I just felt like a lot of pain. I mean, obviously there was a lot of that, but I didn't know how to process, process that in a healthy way because mm -hmm. I come from a family that doesn't really talk about their feelings. Or if you did, they would clown you for it or just be like, you know, you got to have to, suck it up because life is hard or whatever. And, um, so that's kind of just been the way that I kind of soothe myself was through drinking. Um, and also like my awkwardness or I, as I, I like, I would think that I'm awkward and, or just having to deal with people. That's kind of like how I got through. It was just drinking. Yeah. Um, so I mean, a lot of my early twenties and into my thirties, I'm in my thirties now, but, uh, it all kind of just drinking was just part of my life. I didn't think it was necessarily bad. Like I would sneak it. I would drink on the job. I would do, I would drink over the weekends. I would drink by myself. I think, um, I just didn't realize how much of a, like a big part of it, of my life. It was actually until I stopped and I really realized all that shit. But, um, in New York, I know I'm I'm jumping all around all right, the good. East coast, but in New York is when it really kind of, got really crazy. I came up here with my partner. We were engaged and, um, I didn't want to really be engaged, but I didn't know how to say all that stuff. And uh. I got really, uh, depressed, uh, when we first moved here and I kind of had to slow down. I didn't really know anyone besides my partner and I didn't have any connections. I didn't have any jobs. So I had to hustle a lot, which is fine. But I kind of, any of the fair money I would get it would be like, well, I'm going to go to the bar. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go mm -hmm. do that. And like alcohol kind of took me out of like my life a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I ended up getting my job in advertising, that kind of really, really amped up because then I had every excuse to drink as much as I wanted to because other people were drinking as much as I am or I, so I thought, and it was, uh, it was socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the time, I mean, I had, one of my worst rock bottoms, you would think I would have stopped drinking then, but I got obliterated at a work party one time and I ended up home and I don't really remember how I got there, but 
And oh, I still yeah. lived with my, with my partner at the time. That happens. But I ended up naked in the backyard. I don't know what's with me wanting to be naked, but it happens. But I ended up in Brooklyn? back there. In Brooklyn. First of I all, you have, a bla- you have a backyard in Brooklyn? I know. I lived at a place where, the, well, the woman who owned the building had a backyard. And I, tip, I don't think we were supposed to really be out there, but I ended up falling out the window Whoa. onto the roof Whoa. and into what? the backyard. <laughs> into the backyard. What time of year naked. is this? Is this like January? This what, was, what is- no, this was in the fall. Okay. okay. Yeah, right. This was yeah. in the fall. And I couldn't see. And I tried to climb up, back and up into the window. But it's all, you know, like I had to fall down the roof and everything like that. So there's no way in hell. And I ended up busting up the grill and the, and the pulling down the, what was it, the fence. Um, and then drunk logic, I decided, well, I'm going to break back in. So I ended up throwing bricks through the window, trying to break back into the, to the apartment. You're but, naked you know, during have, like, all the, of this. I'm naked during all of this, and I Whoa. can't see because I I didn't have my glasses on. <laughs> this is oh, a, this man. is amazing. Were you physically okay? <laughs> I, I was physically okay. I was like really I was Relatively. cut up from throwing the brick <laughs> brick through the window, um, and I reached my hand through trying to open the door. But they have like you know the the screens to keep oh, no. people from breaking in. Oh, so yeah. I was just <laughs> so it worked. You can't break in. Well, so that's I, good. I tested it. I tested it out, so I felt safe after. But, uh, but yeah, that was, I mean, that was something that happened. And I remember waking up the next day, the cops got called. Um, I figured. I, I think my landlord, who was living below us at the time, thought I was on drugs. But, I, you know, I was just really, really drunk. And it was, and you would think, like, even after all that, I went to work the next day, and I was just, like, tore up. My body was, I think I still had, like, leaves in my hair. It was, it was... <laughs> It was a special time. And you would think I would have stopped drinking then, but I was sort of like, let me just take a break. You know, I just need a little break from it. So I slowed down, but I would still drink, but that's not as much as I used to. And then, of course, it just kind of just ramps back up because it's like, well, I don't, if I can't really drink at home because my partner didn't really want me to drink at home. So I was like, well, I'll just drink at work or I would drink before I came home. And then, you know, I would just hide it. So I guess that's when I started being a lot more secretive with my drinking mm. because I just felt like I couldn't be, I couldn't be as out as I wanted to be like at home. Uh-huh. Um, and it just kind of amped up from there really. Um, and it's just, it's, I remember a lot of things just being a, a shit show or a clusterfuck and I'm not really want to think about things I kind of just pushed through mm-hmm. and alcohol was just used as a way for me to keep it um just to keep myself like I felt like going like you know I looked forward to the drinking I my favorite time of the week would be Saturday be Friday because because I know that I could go home um especially when I lived alone and I could just stay inside all weekend and just drink and I would just drink all weekend and I wouldn't leave the apartment unless I was going to the liquor store across the street or the bodega to get like cigarettes or something like that and come yeah. back. And I would just stay inside and drink all the time. Um, so that was kind of like my life for a while. Um, me and my partner broke up. I would date other people, but we ended up really just being drinking buddies. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, you know, I would drink and end up like in relationships or dating people that I didn't really like. Yeah, And in order to kind of deal with it, I would drink through it, you know, 
because I was like, well, I can't really complain and I'm not one to like, who am I to say they suck? And, you know, <laughs> you should always give people a chance. And, you Some know, people I'm not just perfect suck, either. They do. They do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I just, I had like really bad steam issues and everything like that. But so mm. I was like, well, I'll just give them a chance, even though I didn't like them sober. But, you know, when I'm drunk, it's okay. You know, I can deal with them then. So there's a lot of that. And, um, of course, all this shit at work. And then um, what really, I think, last year, the last couple of years, actually, um, prior to 2019, I said the two years before that, I it was just kind of like a shit show of epic proportions for me because it was me drinking. I would go to, I found like a local bar and I would drink there and I would smoke hookah. So I would show up all there all the time and drink. And I was coming out. A lot of the stuff is like I was dealing with work that I didn't, I realized I didn't really like my job or what I was doing. So there was that. And it's like, I'm, you're getting older. So it was like that whole thing of like, I don't know what the fuck my life is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be this. I don't know, and I'm too scared to figure it out. Oh, yeah. So I'm just going to turn my mind off. I'm just going to hang out and have fun and just not deal with it. But, of course, not in a healthy way because I'm not just having, like, one or two drinks. Like, I would have, like, a bottle of wine a night and it was, or more, and it would be nothing. Mm. And and um, so and I ended up being in, like, this really bad relationship and it was had a lot of gaslighting and stuff like that. Mm. And I didn't know how to do deal with any of that. So I, um, of course, drank through all of that. But I remember, like, I did Sober January last year as well. That was like, my first time really doing it. And I, like, white-knuckled my way through it the entire time. Like, it was the hardest 30, was it 31 days? Like, it was the hardest. It was the longest month ever. And I got, and then another guy at my job, he was doing it as well. And I always looked at him. I was like, oh, I think he has a problem. I think he has a problem, blah, blah, blah. But I would never, you know, say anything because it's like, it's not for me to say. Yeah. Never looking at myself, of course. And then he was like, oh, you're doing sober January too. And like on February 1st, we were both like, yeah, let's go break it. We didn't even make it to the end of the day. Like I yeah. think we went out at like noon or some craziness and got drunk. And then we went to a going away party for a coworker. And proceeded to drink more there. Yeah. And the thing is, it was funny. It was fucked up because, like, I was also having a fight with my partner at the time who wasn't talking to me. And mm -hmm. he was going to come over after and meet me. And I remember he came over to meet me and I was, like, passed out, like, dead to the world. <laughs> and he was, like, pissed off and didn't want to talk to me for months after that. So, um, which I can't really blame him. But Real it is quick. Latest. You think yeah. alcoholics would choose the shortest month, right? You think they would choose February instead of January. Right. Yeah, like, you know. Oh, well, it's three less days I gotta stay sober. Like that, You would think. I, that, see, that's where my addict mind goes. I'd, I'd be like, okay, what's the shortest month? I'm gonna stay clean for that long. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's like, well, it's like you, I think a lot of it's like, well, I, cause you just go so crazy. Like I would go so yeah. crazy from like now, like from September to like December, it would be insane because of the holidays. And then I was like, well, I'm just, I need time to like, what's happening? Okay. Um, I need time to like, my liver needs time to repair itself. So I'm just going to dry out. And then like 31 days isn't a big deal because I did so much damage from September to December, mm. but it was, it was horrible. It like, it sucked. 
And there's more sirens. I, I know. A naked woman's that. trying to break I'm in. Not it's even fine. Be- You're good. It's not me. It's not, I know. It's not me because I'm the only one that likes to do that, apparently. Yeah. Gifts of sobriety. Um, <laughs> <laughs> crazy ass shit. Uh, but yeah. So a lot of my drinking has <coughs> gotten, it got pretty bad like the last couple of years before I got sober this year. Mm-hmm. And it was every day, nonstop. Um, I, and it was like one of those things, like things I, I felt like I would, I would never say, I would say, I would, no, I can't talk. The things that I would say, if anyone were to say that to me, I'm like, oh, I think you have a problem. Mm. I would, I would start to do like, you know, drinking before work. You know, I would never drink before work because I'm like, oh, no, no, no. That's like a sign of like, you really have a problem. Oh, so I started drinking before work. Um, I would say on the weekends, like if I was drinking on the weekends, like on a Sunday, I was like, I'm not going to start drinking before noon on a Sunday because I guess that means that you're not an alcoholic if you wait until (laughs) noon on a Sunday to go in. I know. It was like I would go to brunch at like noon noon around that time. I'd be like, hey, you know, it has to be around that time, my friends, if we're going to have brunch because then I can drink. And it was like those crazy things, but then it got, oh, it's like, well, I can have it at 11 or I could 10 or I could, when I wake up, there's nothing wrong with that. So I started making like all those excuses, just having to be drunk. Like I say, I wouldn't drink in public. I wouldn't drink like walking down the street and you know, shit like that started happening. Like I would just do that and you just rationalize it in your way because it's like the addict mind. You're just like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. It's not going to, it's just one. And then it happens. Oh, you know, it's fine. Other people are doing it. No one notices. But of course people notice after a while. Like my parent, my dad was like, don't like, I think like, I, and another thing was like, when I would go home, I wouldn't drink in front of my dad. Mm. But then I, that started happening. I would sneak it. And then like, my dad doesn't drink and he can smell it. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, you know, shit like that. So that was a lot of my life. And, um, during that time I'm like putting on crazy weight because of the drunk munchies or the drunchies. Cause I would decide, you know, eating the a pizza drunchies. at like two or three in the morning was the best move of, of my life or McDonald's or whatever I got my hands on. And then, and then pass out in my bed and <laughs> wake up or surrounded by food and not remember what I was doing. Um, going home with people that I know I shouldn't have gone home with because I was like, well, you know, they're here and I'm here. Why not? Um, there, and it was just a lot of just things of just treating myself poorly. And then I decided I was talking to a coworker who was in therapy and she recommended my therapist, the one I still go to. And I decided, well, I, maybe I should just go and at least talk to somebody because I hate my job, so at least I can go talk about that. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, all this other stuff, of course, started to come out when she started asking me these questions and wanting to know, you know, about, like, my background and my history and my relationship with alcohol. And when she started poking that the first time, I, like, I shut all the way down and I didn't even go to her for, like, a month or something like that because I was like, fuck this, fuck uh, you, yep. you know. Yep. Alcohol is the one thing that I love about my life. <laughs> you can't take that away yep. or make me feel bad about it. And, um, but, you know, life has a funny way of working out on you because when we started really talking about it and she's like, well, you don't think you're an alcoholic. And I'm like, no, that's like people that have serious problems. I can stop anytime I want. And oh, yeah. she's like, well, <laughs> have you ever stopped? 
And I was like, well, I mean, there's no need. I'm fine. And then with the weight gain and with the drinking, I ended up having to go to my doctor. And that's when they decided they had to run these tests on my liver because my enzymes were so fucking high. Mm-hmm. And that's when they whole, when they did the whole test and everything on me. And that's where we're like, well, I have, I have like early cirrhosis of the liver. Yeah. Or is it um, and I could re- I could, um, I could, um, turn it back, but I would have to like really change like my diet. I would have to like change my relationship to alcohol and all this other type of stuff. Um, and at the same time I had that and I was still drinking because I was like, well, fuck it, you know, whatever. I don't care. Um, but then I had like a series, another rock bottom, I guess, at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I was at a party and I got like drunk and I was making out with some dude and we were probably more than making out and all of the, I don't remember stuff, but I just remember being really banged up the next day and just feeling really like, I don't remember anything. And he was kind of like a predatory type guy. Like uh, I ended up actually going on a date with him after because I was just like, I was just curious about what happened. He was trying to, he was talking to me about it, but it was like this predatory way and he didn't want to tell me everything. And it was like this whole, it was like a really fucked up vibe. And I was just sitting there looking at him to talk to me. We were drinking, of course. And I was just like, shit, like I am just so fucking tired. And I was like, I guess it was playing back everything that's happened to me in the past few years. And it wasn't even like one of those major things like me and the roof. And that was crazy. You would think I would have stopped, but I was like, nah, everybody has a crazy drunken story. Mm-hmm. Even though that's a lot, long line of, you know, Cynthia drunken stories, but it was like, even though my last rock bottom, it was coupled with my health scare. I think it just took me just realizing, like looking at everything in the past and looking at where I am now. I'm like, I'm overweight. I'm not happy. I'm hungover all the time. All I want to do is drink. I'm isolating. I don't want to deal with people or I feel like I can only deal with people when I'm drunk. It's like, this is not the type of life that I want or I need anymore. So I need to do something or else I'm just always going to be this fucked up, messed up creature in Brooklyn, New York. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when I decided to myself that I was just going to be like, you know what? In January, I'm just going to stop. I don't know how long I'm going to stop. Maybe I'll stop for six months and just see how I feel, but Mm -hmm. I'm just going to stop. And I just, so I wrote out December and slowly started weaning myself off because I didn't want to cut myself off cold turkey because of the amount I was drinking at the time. And then in like the first of January, I was like, okay, then I'm done. And I stopped. I told one, my close, one of my best friends, she actually lives in Virginia. She's in Fredericksburg, Virginia, actually. Oh, it's beautiful Um, area. I told, yes, it's very quiet. Yeah, very quiet. Well, you're Brooklyn, so that's like going to the moon practically. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It's nice. It's very quiet. But I told her because she was concerned about my drinking. Mm -hmm. And then she's the only one that knew that I wasn't going to just stop in January and do like sober January. And, and she's like, I'm here for you. I'm here to support you. I told my therapist and then I just stopped and, and now I hear I'm it. Now here I am 10 months later, but it was, um, it was definitely something that was a long time coming for me. I think the health scare and the rock 
bottom situation kind of like amplified it more Mm -hmm. just because I'm like, I'm getting older. I'm not really enjoying life as like alcohol wasn't as enjoyable as I like to think that it was like, it's in the moment you think you're having a great time, but it wasn't just me in that moment. Like I would always, there was usually something that happened after Mm -hmm. or before, you know, or like, you know, and I would have to sit there and really examine my relationship. Like who, like I would drink like a bottle of wine on an empty stomach and then go out and drink more and start mixing alcohol. Like I would just be doing that types of crazy uh, shit yeah. and breaking like all these rules and wonder why, you know, I'm, I wake up in places that I don't remember. And it's like, and you know, having to figure out how I'm going to get home, having to figure out how I'm going to get to work. If it's like on a work day, like I said, I wouldn't drink crazy on a work day. I was doing that all the time, you know, hung over at the job. And it's like, I'm managing people. Why am I doing this? You know? Mm-hmm. And I just realized that it was just making me very sloppy and careless. And I just, it didn't, I wasn't caring about myself at all. So I said, I've been doing it my way for so many years. So let me try something else. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I've been ever since. And it's been a special time. Not always pleasant, but it's been a a special time. <laughs> awesome. All right. Awesome. Great. All right. Well, we got some uh, questions for you. I think we'll let our special guest uh, host start. You got a question, Victoria? I'm at it. Be as direct or specific as you want, because I'm better at answering questions than I am about talking about myself. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said something that specifically... Uh, resonated with me. Um, so you had mentioned early on having some food struggles. Um, I, you know, not to like talk too much about myself, but um, am clean, but also uh, in recovery from uh, food behaviors. Uh, so I was just curious, I guess, um, Something that happened for me was when I got clean, uh, some of my food behaviors became a little bit worse, um, particularly mm. related to undereating um, and at times overeating. Um, and so I was just curious how your relationship with food is and whether or not you uh, feel that, you know, you used food or maybe still do use food in a similar way that you used alcohol. That's interesting. And I actually... Um I talk about this uh, when I'm in my therapy with my friends and everything like that, because I feel like food is like something that you just, you have to eat. So it's kind of like one of those things that it's, it was always kind of hard for me to manage. So I was concerned when I got sober that it would really come back full force with like the binging, the purging and stuff like that. And it didn't as bad as I thought it would be. I felt like I would start acting out in that way. I think for me, my acting out has, um, or where how my addiction kind of tried to like manifest is kind of like in, uh, I would say sex mm-hmm. <laughs> was a thing has, has, has been a thing for me. Um, I really had to examine my behaviors around that more than I did food, which I was not expecting at all. Hmm. Um, surprisingly. Hmm. All right. Yeah. We'll just keep it going around. Go yeah. ahead, Eric. Oh, okay. So, actually, sticking with the, um, I guess, the relationship part of it, um, you know, it, it kind of sounded like you had, you know, a, you know, quite a time, I guess, with, you know, relationships during your alcoholism. And 
I guess what I want to kind of understand is like, how is your relationships, you know, we, we kind of understand where you were when you were um, actively drinking, but, you know, how are you trying to manage those relationships now? Um, and, you know, I mean, you hear about like, you know, don't get into relationships in your first year and all that sort of stuff, like, blah, blah, which blah. no one follows, right? Yeah. No. I, mean, mm-hmm. um, I waited six was, months. No, if I went, came, like, got clean in a relationship, then I was allowed to be in the relationship, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That's that, valid. That's a loophole. Yeah. Yeah. Loophole, you know? dude. Um, but what boundaries do you set on, like, new relationships that you're getting into? And what, what behaviors did you have to change from a relationship standpoint from where you were to where you are now? Oh, God, all of them. Like, I was yeah. like, oh, I had to change so much shit. I'm actually the one of the ones that's trying to ride out the first year um, solo. So um, I'm one of those. Yay. But I've done things. I mean, I've done things, so, but I haven't gotten into a serious relationship with anyone. I think for me, um, a lot of my stuff with relationships is because I just didn't know how to be myself. I grew up in, like, my family of just not really, my no boundaries in my family. Um, always, like, my mom was very cold and withholding and, you know, and... I always would try to project what I thought someone, I like, I'm easy. Like I would always try to project like what I thought someone wanted me to be and just show that. So I could just be like loved and accepted and everything like that. And you know, if someone liked that, that was cool, but then I would start resenting them and then I would self-destruct or act out and stuff like that. So it was like always the cycle, but I like, I learned that from my mom and like now I see it kind of in a positive kind of way. Cause I can read people and I'm like, okay, I can see like stuff and I see you and everything like that. But wrecked havoc on my ass because I just didn't know who I was or who I am for like so much of my life. So I would end up in relationships with people that wanted Cynthia to be a certain kind of way. Like, you know, I had to be, um, like, you know, or I would have to be really, really giving and I would have to be really, really kind and I would have to be, you know, funny, but sexy and like all, like all this other type of shit. And it's like, yeah, I can be all these things, but it's like, you don't really know me. I'm just like, those are just adjectives and things that I pull up because that's what you want at that given point in time. So it's just a lot of unhealthy dynamics. And then if they didn't like that, then, you know, it was a lot of like dating a lot of people that were withholding, dating a lot of people that were lying, dating a lot of people that, were that would treat me badly in like a mental capacity, the physical capacity, stuff like that, and just like taking it on. And mm. so when I got sober this year, I had to really kind of examine like a lot of that stuff. And it wasn't like a blame game or a victim thing. It was just like seeing where my part is and where I need to grow. And a lot of this, I didn't have, I didn't know anything about values or boundaries until this year. Like, I've heard, mm-hmm. like, I knew about them because you know about them just, like, in the world yeah. and the definitions, and I've read them, and I know, like, okay, honesty, integrity, like, all that shit. I knew, but I would be like, yeah, that's nice. But, you know, honesty, is that really a thing? Everybody lies. Like, how can you really say honesty <laughs> is the value of yours? Come on. You know? <laughs> and, but it's, like, one of those things when I got sober, and I was like, well, holy shit, you, there's like honesty is important to me. Like integrity is a thing. Compassion is a thing. And it's like, you know, I had to learn all that stuff for myself and I felt like I had to learn it on my own. And I felt like I wouldn't be able to do that type of work if I was tied to another person. And I'm not saying like I didn't have like crushes or 
like whatever. And I, I haven't like, I'm not saying like I didn't have sex this year cause that would be a lie, but it's like, you know, but I felt like I really, but then I had to like pull my, like I had to learn how to be accountable to myself and mm-hmm. call me, call myself out on my own shit. And that was, and that's when I had to really look at myself like, okay, what is it with me in romantic relationships, the types of people, what is it that, I'm not getting, why do I feel like I have can only like connect through sex? And it's like, you know, why can't I just have like, what is it? Like, you know, so I had to really sit there and like think hard about myself, which is not easy to do, especially when you're just coming out of like, I numbed myself for so many years. Now all this shit is there. But I think now when I think about just romantic relationships and my friendships, like I had to have hard conversations with a lot of people this year and they had to have, have, hard conversations with me but I think I was up to it this year because I was just so present in it and I was just like you know I don't know everything I don't I'm learning some stuff I know a lot of shit about certain things but I don't know everything and I'm learning but I think discovering just boundaries and feeling like it's okay for me to have boundaries and it's okay for someone else to have boundaries and as long as we respect each other at the end of the day because when I started throwing out boundaries on people some people reacted really great to it I'd be like you know you can't be like if I say like something like if you're upset you can't just shut me out you know Mm. or at least tell me you're mad and you need to go have your time and everything like that I would say that to certain people and they'd be like like one person in particular and he reacted really poorly about it but then I would say something else to someone else and they would be fine so it's like learning that it's okay for me to have a voice and have a say and it's okay for another person to have a say it doesn't make us bad just makes us individuals and human but also just knowing like, what are my non-negotiables in all my relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, um, family, friends and romantic. And it's like, before I would never think about what I wanted. I would always think about like, well, this is what I should want and this is what I'm getting. So I just have to kind of suck it up and deal with it. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. I have a follow up real quick because, uh, you didn't mention something during that where you were talking about how you change, um, who you are to reflect what someone else needs. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of like kind of putting on a mask in order to... The chameleon. Know, yeah, being a chameleon. So I guess, like, this is something I've kind of been looking at a little bit, like, um, with some of uh, the recovery literature that I've been reading is, you know, when you get clean and sober, you're kind of changing, you know... You, you, you're like reintroducing yourself to yourself. So yes. the person that you were, that person, I mean, it's still inside of you, but that person's kind of going away and like a different version of yourself is appearing. So how has the process of getting to know yourself again and also not putting like on a front, I guess, you know, how does that, how has that process gone along in the past 10 months? And, you know, I mean, I guess just, like, what's your process for that? And, like, not putting on, you know, a mask and, you know, kind of getting to know yourself again. Uh, It's been interesting because it's, like, I just thought, and I guess maybe everyone thinks like that when they're first getting clean or decide they're going to stop it. Like, I would just stop drinking and that's it. Like, my life would just be the same. I just wouldn't be drinking Mm -hmm. anymore. Um, And then that's, you know, a lie, of course. And then... Like they, what is, what's this, they always say, like they have all these cliches and like sayings in AA, like the best thing about AA or 
is that you get your feelings back? Is it the worst thing in A is that you get your feelings back or something? And they say something like that. And that shit happened to me. It's sort of like I was kind of just like going through life. I was kind of like, I guess they consider a dry drunk or whatever. Cause mm-hmm. I wasn't in AA. I just said like, I don't need it. I can just quit on my own. I have therapy. I have my friends. But then I realized I was getting really irritated with like my therapist and irritated with my friends. And I'm like, you guys don't understand what I'm fucking going through right now. You don't understand. Cause they'd be like, Oh, you're just, you're not drinking. It's not that bad. But then I would be so mad at my friends and I would be like, well, why am I mad at them? Because they didn't know. They don't know the extent of my drinking. They still don't really know. Sometimes I talk about it, but I don't really go into like the nitty gritty, like this is what I would do every day, you know? And I was just being like, and I was like coming out of my, crawling out of my, like wanting to claw my skin off. I was irritated at work because my job, because I couldn't drink at work anymore. And I used to drink during the day and I couldn't, and I was still dealing with the high stakes at my job. So figuring that out, um, dealing with my, like my friendships and, and, and like my stuff was like my brother and it's like all this stuff is coming up and, you know, just feeling all this stuff for the first time and just like really kind of understanding like all these feelings. Cause it was like, I knew what it's like to be sad and I knew what it was like to be happy. So, so I thought, but like, there's so many other feelings out there, yeah, not yeah. understanding any of that. Mm-hmm. And then you're feeling something and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this is. I feel like I'm losing my damn mind and like, I can't just, you know, up and leave and quit my job. So it's like, I, and so what do I do? Like, what do I do? And so I had one of those like breakdowns and I ended up actually going to go see my dad in Pasadena for Memorial Day this year. And that's like when I told him everything, because my dad knew, he always knows when something's up with me because I'm not, I usually just say I'm fine. Like that's usually my answer to everything. Like the, I could have lose everything in a fire and somebody could be like, well, how are you doing? I was like, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. (laughs) And he asked me how I was doing. And I just like cried, started crying. I'm like, dad, I think I'm alcoholic. I think I'm going to have to, I need to go to AA or something like that. And it's like, all this stuff is happening. And, you know, he and I just had a really frank discussion about it. Like he was really there for me. He came and he like met me where I was. And he was like, you know, um, he was really awesome about it. But I think, it was just realizing that so much of my life that I just, I didn't have to keep up that front or that idea that I had it all together and that I had to be everything for everyone and that I could finally just kind of like breathe and like release for a little bit. But also at the same time, realize that I needed help too. Cause I think I didn't think that for a long time. I was like, I had to help other people and I would just kind of be okay Whereas like at this time, at this point, realizing like alcohol was such a big part of my life, realizing that when I was taken away, that everything else still was there, that it was, the alcohol was covering or burying. So now I really had to address that. And that's when I realized like, I know I had to humble myself and be like, you know, I need help. I need support. And it can't be through like my friends because they don't understand. They love me, but they just don't understand. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like my dad loves me too. He doesn't understand. So I was like, well, I'm going to need to go and get support, which is how I got my acid to AA. But, and I've been there ever since, but, and just realizing that there's like so much that I just don't know about this. And then also realizing that my story isn't like terribly unique, you know, it's everybody's kind of had, it's things are different because, you know, people react to things differently, but we all can kind of like, um, learn from each other Mm -hmm. because like, you know, the bottom line is still the same in a way. 
we're yeah. all running from or escaping from something mm-hmm. and and alcohol or whatever you know your vice was or is was the answer or so we thought so i it's just been interesting like if someone told me like a year ago that i would be clean and sober i would be down like 65 or 65 ish pounds or whatever i would be an aa with a sponsor i'd be like fuck you you know that's crazy <laughs> and and um, and, but at the same time, like I've done so much, you know, it was like, I've like, I've started this podcast. Like I started my podcast. I didn't think I was going to do that. I've been so into like my creativity and pushing myself and meeting so many interesting people. And it's like, you know, I would have been open to any of it because I was just so hell bent on like, I just want to go to work. I want to go to the bar. Mm-hmm. I want to go home. I want to drink some more there. And I want to go to sleep and like rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And it's been so interesting just figuring, like, learning about me and just things that I'm interested in and the people that I gravitate towards and they gravitate towards me. And it's like a healthy, honest dynamic. Because like I said, when I said I didn't really know anything about values or boundaries, like, like I said, like, honesty to me is huge. Like, I had to be honest so much this year, like, mm. uncomfortably honest with oh, yeah. everyone, including <laughs> myself. Like, including myself, starting with myself and just saying, you know, if I'm going to act out or do something stupid, like, you know, don't make it into something else that it is, like, owning your shit, you know? And it's not, and that was hard to do, but I feel like, and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was drinking, of course. So, um, so it's been kind of like an amazing experience. It has been, it's also very painful and it's been like, I've been very uncomfortable this year. But I've also haven't had this level of growth ever in my life. Like I felt like I was looking back on just all of like talking to my best friend and 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 she's seen me grow and she's like I was like I have she's like I just haven't seen like this side of you ever. And I've known she's known me for like what ten plus years now. And she's like I'm finally feeling like I I know who you are as a person. And I'm like shit. I'm figuring out and knowing, understanding who I am as a person. So we're both in this together, I guess, because I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, it's cool, but you know, it's, I don't know. It's life, I guess. <laughs> yep. It's a process. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. It's a process. So I actually have a, a round robin question. So this is for the group. Wow. Group group mm, participation okay. everyone. Uh-oh, let's Look do at it. me. Yeah. Okay. So we all like throughout your story you talked about um a whole bunch of quote unquote bottoms and the, there's not necessarily one like bottom for any of us. Like it's especially like in your story, it was a whole bunch of stories where you're sort of just scraping along the bottom numerous fucking times. And I think yeah. all, all of us went through that. So it's not just like one big boom thud and then like everything bounces back up. With that, um we have these stories like especially drunk or using stories that throughout your story you were like, oh you would think this would make me change and it doesn't so why is like alcohol culture and like those crazy things like trying to break into your house naked or doing like whatever why is that shit like culturally acceptable to a level like because when you're with other drunks you're just like oh yeah it's drunk cynthia it's drunk victoria it's drunk eric whatever like and we normalize it why do you think that is 
Everybody. Victoria first. Go yeah. first. Um, yeah, go for it. Because I think I, I, it's a, that makes me think, because like, I actually just recently got out of a relationship, news to the, the crew that, that ended. But anyway, um, I oh, was really? dating. Yeah. Oh. Um, but I was dating a guy that uh, was in a frat. And um, oh. yeah, so I was very immersed in like his frat culture and drinking culture and the, you know, this attitude of like, I don't know, there's like sort of this double-edged sword sort of attitude towards it where like on yeah. one hand you're like, okay, that behavior is unmanageable, but that person also like appears to be a fun person. So yeah, it was so kind we- of conflating the idea of like these crazy behaviors also like meaning you're a fun person. At least that that's like how I saw it or understand it is like we culturally will say like while you're crazy you're also like the life of the party and so it's like normalizing that craziness Hmm. yeah because that's a lot of what i saw from that group of people yeah which was really interesting for me as somebody who has been clean that entire was clean that entire relationship watching both the like the co-signing of these insane crazy behaviors um you know, while at the same time they were kind of degrading each other for being assholes. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a, it's definitely not a healthy situation. Yeah. But it allows us to rationalize, you know, for us who actually, you know, ultimately identify as alcoholics and addicts, you know, rationalize that, like, yeah, we're fucking insane. Yeah. But at least we're, <laughs> we're fun people. Yeah. 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 What, what do you think, Eric? Um, actually, that was one of my questions. Was oh, the uh, was? was the normalization mm. like oh it, you know I think I, I stole one of your questions. You did. I'm you, so happy because Cynthia, you said like multiple times like everybody has those stories, and I was like I have those stories. Like yeah, you we know? do. <laughs> I was yeah. like, uh, but I mean, it's kind of uh, fuck. Like I used to think everybody smoked weed when I was in high school. Yeah, I was like everybody smokes weed. You haven't yeah. tried weed? What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, like, come on, like right. Try- what are you, a loser? Was, yeah. yeah. I, I got so many people to do coke, too, because I was like, what? You don't do coke? What? What's wrong with you? Like, yeah. everybody does coke. Like, which is fucking crazy to say out loud. Like, everybody does. Like, you know, I just thought everybody, like... This is not 1980 you know? Miami, my friend. Well, yeah, but, like, you know, especially <laughs> with drinking and smoking weed, like, those two, I'm always, like... I'm like, oh, man, like, you've never, like, you know, done that. Like, you've never like you know passed out here you've never like you know Mm -hmm. thrown up after doing this like you've never made a fool of yourself doing that like have you lived you know like (laughs) so which is fucked up right because like you know what's it saying like oh you don't remember last night what's wrong with you yeah you know i mean i don't remember last night but why do you remember last night Mm -hmm. did you not have a good time yeah but it's weird to think that like that is the expectation of like what, and it becomes acceptable. Life is yeah, because I mean I have a lot of friends like you were saying like the frat thing like who kind of fall in line with that frat mentality or ideology or like that stoner ideology of like you know like um, oh yeah where it's like oh yeah man we're just smoking oh yeah like, you know and it grows like, in the ground man it's well, totally not even fine. not even that like when I'm playing <laughs> like um, you know I'll play like sports or stuff with friends and they'll like they'll smoke like before you know we play and it's yeah. like and it's like i used to do it too so it's fine why'd you like, look at me when i said that when you said that well i know you think it's weird <laughs> um but like 
I, I, I think you're weird for never smoking. And you know, you've never done that before. What the fuck's wrong with you, David? But, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, you told me about, yeah, you would smoke weed before you played tennis. I'd be like, oh, my God, that sounds miserable. It's great. Um, but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, uh, all I'm saying is, like, you know, that's just what they do. And, like, it's not normal because, like, not everyone does it. The fact that we're, like, a small group who's doing it doesn't mean everyone does it. Just because mm-hmm. our little microcosm of, like, life is doing it doesn't mean the whole world is doing it. And to think that, like, just because I'm doing it, everyone else is doing it is very narcissistic and fucking ridiculous. Huh. Okay. So I guess it's just, yeah. you know, putting yeah. it in a different thing. All right. I'm, I'm going to add my two cents, then I want to hear yours, Cynthia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, well, it it's interesting, like how, uh, like drugs and alcohol, and like you said, Eric, like in those microcosms, in those whoa, what happened? In those tiny little communities, um, become normalized because, like, there were times where like I was smoking coke, and like in my little microcosm, it was like, oh, everybody smokes coke, like this is fine, and like. If you don't smoke chronic, what the fuck's yeah, wrong with you? Yeah, so like maybe it's an out outside perspective, and 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 I'm gonna use one of my quotes that Eric hates the most is Ugh. like the fish in the bowl doesn't know that it's wet. So it's the things mm-hmm. that are immediately around you that you don't even realize. So it it our own behavior becomes so normal to us that other people start seeing us in that norm. So I, it, I guess it just becomes acceptable. And because nobody really ever approached me and was like, I think you have a problem because I isolated myself away from those people. Anybody in my family, like I didn't go around them. I didn't want to talk to them. Like I didn't want to see them. So anybody who even had the potential to say that was, was not in my community anymore. They weren't in my microcosm. I isolated myself. So I wonder if it's also like a like an isolationism at like the these substances draw us away from anybody who's quote unquote normal. Like kind of like your parents who don't do these things. Like maybe we we're we're seeking out those communities where they are acceptable and in general terms of morality or ethics they're they're not but in america it seems like more often than not that's what you find and what you see what you got cynthia i mean i would probably echo what everyone else was saying i think you don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. i think that it's one of those things like 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 i think that you were saying sort of like if i surrounded myself by people that were users you know, mm-hmm. that's like my whole cycle, my whole circle was people that did drugs, did that did, that were drinking and they weren't just drinking normally. They didn't have a healthy relationship to alcohol. And it's sort of like we would like people at the bar, like there was regulars, people that would drink, you know, all the time, people that would drink before work. Like that's kind of like who I surrounded myself with. I would look as someone was like, if I, I didn't have any friends that I felt that didn't drink. Like I would be like, I'm not, yeah. gonna, I couldn't be your friend. Like, what are we going to do? Like yeah. that, like that to me was like, that's weird. Like, you know, I can't, you know? And so I think you just put around, you, we, you surround yourself with a bunch of people that will enable your behavior or make you feel less like, you know, what you're doing is wrong. And I don't think it's even something that you, you're, you're conscious, you're probably aware of consciously because 
you don't want to think about it. Like you, we don't want it. You don't want to think about it. Like, cause you know, if you yeah. think about it, like sometimes if you start going down that rabbit hole and we probably all have, it's like, you know, what I'm doing, is it really healthy or is it really like, you know, you probably, we've, I mean, I know I have, I've had oh, those yeah. thoughts, but then I would just be like, well, everybody else is fucking doing it. So I'm not as bad as that person. And you kind of like compare yes. yourself and be like, you know, I'm fine. Yes. You know, this is kind of what everyone does here. Like, you know, it's the, it's New York city, you know, it's uh, big. Everyone goes like plays hard here. So it's not a big nice. deal. Yeah. And, and, and it was always, so I think it's like you, you kind of create like a bubble for yourself, yeah. like within your addiction and you just kind of want to live there. And just like, you know, how I was saying earlier, there's some people that are lifers here in like Brooklyn or Queens and they never leave the borough. It's the same thing. When you think about it, when it comes to your addiction and how you just kind of like you surround yourself with people that will keep you where you are or are okay with where you are. And they don't try mm-hmm. to challenge that or make you be accountable in any kind of way. Because I know for me, I didn't want anyone to make me accountable or question me, do anything mm. like that would say what I was doing was okay for me to do. Like yeah. if you try to say anything else, I was like, fuck that. Fuck you. We can't talk anymore. We, you're no longer cool yeah. because everybody, the cool people are doing this. This is what we're doing. And then, um, yeah, and I think it's true. hard. Like I'm, it is. It's yeah, like, you, it's I definitely so weeded people out like that. They're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you 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 have a problem with me smoking coke?" And I would just won't fuck. You're not invited to the fucking party anymore. Fuck you. Well, I like I like what you said yeah. about the bar too, because it's like if we're not gonna go drink, what are we gonna do? Like, <laughs> I, I feel like that's like a pretty standard. I remember like when I stopped going to the bar, that was kind of like, well. <laughs> We, what am are, I gonna do with like this? Are we just group gonna sit around friends? and play Goldeneye now? Like, what you know? do we do? <laughs> I love Goldeneye. Fucking yeah. right. I mean, I'm I'm cool with Goldeneye too. But yeah, like, yeah, right. It is kind of like a question. Like, what do we do now? Yeah. Like, if we're not for if, a while in early recovery, yeah. it definitely is. But for the record, for for Eric and Victoria, she was talking about like that person that like is your meter stick. Like, oh, I'm not as bad as them. That was Brad. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Brad was my meter stick. We were always using together, and like he was really fucked up. And I was like, nah, I'm not that bad. <laughs> I have a thought. So, kind of, this whole topic is like sparking my interest and kind of making me recall. So, uh, for me, a lot of the stories or the things that I now recognize as indicators that like things were not good in my, especially the end of my like active addiction came um, as I started developing relationships with people in recovery that were normal people that did not use like I used, um, mm-hmm. that are casual drinkers. So I have a lot of friends that, um, like a lot of friends that are not in recovery now, um, both for my like job and through school. And like, I don't know, maybe it's cause of recovery and having other friends in recovery. I like kind of casually, I don't war story, but I might tell stories from the old days. And they're like, appalled at some of the things that I did. And I was like, it wasn't until like I got these reactions from these like quote unquote normal people that I realized that maybe like I was living in this microcosm or this, this enabling environment during my, you know, active addiction or whatever, uh, that like kind of gave me more perspective. So yeah, it definitely comes down to, uh, like the environment you know, whether or not it's enabling that. Yeah. But it was really interesting, like, how much more insight I got actually talking to people who were, like, not in recovery about, like, the level of insanity of my behaviors. Ooh, real quick. I'm raising my hand. 
and that really made me think about the flip side. Yeah, I do that. Shut up, Eric. Um, the other side of that coin is when we come into recovery, we're changing our culture again. Like it's very like we simply put it like change people, places, and things, and we do that, and then we instantly have this new culture of people who are enabling growth mm-hmm. and and that accountability and that responsibility. We're getting these these other healthy relationships for the first time. So we're changing that bubble. And uh, in that, it, it gives us the ability to foster growth and move upward instead of downward. Cool. Eric, Hopefully, always, yeah. Eric always fails upwards, though, anyway, so it doesn't matter for him. I'm just doing well, you know. What can I say? <laughs> Fuck you, Eric. Wow. Yeah. That's such an accurate description, though. <laughs> it is. I hate it. It makes me so mad. I think we have a Twitter question. We do have a we Twitter, Twitter question. question. Um, so we're going to do this Twitter question before, but we'll do it now. Um, so... I mean, we kind of already did. No, we're still going to do this. So um, this is from uh, Name Cannot Be Blank. At home is Derry. Um, or Derry. Not sure. Um, but dating when sober. So eventually this will come up depending on who your you know pool is. Um, but What's someone- the question? So what I'm saying, like, uh, do like when someone asks, like, do you want to go for a drink in like a dating situation? How do you approach that situation? And then this is a group question. Can I extend that to how do you when your coworkers ask you, do you want to go for a drink? Sure. How do you because I know you said you're not really dating Cynthia um, for this first yeah. year. But like if your coworkers, co-workers were to great. ask you that same question, like, uh, how do you approach it? That's a great question. You're yeah. up first, Cynthia. Yeah, so, I mean, I have been asked on dates, but I, I mean, I'm honest about it. I just say I don't, I don't drink. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not into drinking, and I propose, like, another option for us to do. Um, and with my coworkers, I mean, we do happy hours and stuff like that. And, and the thing is, I actually announced to my department that I wasn't drinking at the beginning of the year. Like, I'm just stopping drinking just for, like, health reasons and stuff like that. And, like, my soul... And they just, they're fine with it. Like they, everybody knows in my department that I, I just, I don't drink anymore. You know, mm-hmm. um, my boss knows, he asked me if I'm, how am I doing? It was like, it's not like a, it's not like a secret, but mm-hmm. I just say like, you know, I just don't drink. Like, you know, if there's, or I, it's like, if this, I will usually ask if there's food or something like that there, I'll still go. But I don't really have that pressure from my like coworkers to like, you know, I have to go to the bar. We're going to have shots. Like, it's not like. Mm-hmm. They know that I'm not drinking and they're cool. Like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when I've been asked out on dates or anything, like anything, like it was like kind of like an interest of some kind there. Um, I, I'm, like I said, I just kind of leave with the honesty. I just say, I just, I'm not, I don't drink. I'm not interested in drinking. Um, if they push further, you know, I, I know like there's like this thing, like I actually was talking to a group of people from like another, a meeting that I was at about like, how honest are you with people? But I think maybe cause I'm just kind of not really into dating right now. I just kind of lead with all the honesty and I just say like, you know, yeah. I don't drink. And if they push, then I tell them exactly why I don't drink. Yeah. And, and then however they take it is how they take it. You know, I'm not ashamed about it. Yeah. And it's sort of like, well, you know, if we're going to be anything, a friend, whatever, you're going to know the truth eventually anyway. So we might as well just leave with it. And if you have a problem with it, then 
all right, you're going to have a problem with it now, or you're going to have a problem with, problem with it like two months from now. Like, I don't think it's going to be like something like, oh, I know you, I've known you for two months. So now that I now know that you have, you're an alcoholic, I'm cool with it now versus like, you know, I, w- I wouldn't have been cool with it. Like if I, you told me out the gate, like, I don't think that's the type of thing. Like, I feel like you're either going to be cool with it or you're not going to be cool with it. And the amount of time isn't going to change that. At least that's how I look at it. Yeah. So I, I'm like, shit, that's just, this, that's who I, that's what I am. So mm-hmm. take it or leave it. All right. Has anybody ever given you like pushback that made you like, really uncomfortable because I've been in only a couple times in situations where people were like it's weird that you don't drink and it's like I was like one you're a fucking asshole and then two like I don't know it just to me indicates that maybe something's going on with them but I don't know if you've just ever encountered that because it was really weird for me um I have encountered people but to me like I have encountered that but then it's like really weird I have this uh, and I don't know what something else that was cultivated for me in sobriety. Like, I guess I know that it's not about me. Like it's their shit and yep. it's not on me to take their shit on. Yeah. So I say what I have to say. They don't like it. I move the fuck on. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. You know, who are you? At the end oh, of the you're, day. So, so. you're so Brooklyn. <laughs> you're so Brooklyn now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the truth though. It's like, yeah. it's about them at that point. And it's not, it has nothing to do with me. So what, it doesn't matter what I say, you're still going to, you're going to still make it about you. Yeah. So why, why even keep engaging in this conversation? Yeah. So, and, so well, go like, ahead, Eric. no, kind of like what you're saying, like I can talk about this from like a personal, cause I actually deal with it differently from a personal relationship than like a work relationship. Mm. So like personal relationships, I've done this on like a few occasions and it's kind of like a shock thing. And like my wife, like Mary hates this when I do it, but like um, I've had it happen at Ravens games before and I've had it happen like, you know, during, you know, just kind of like recreational fun where people are like, oh, you don't drink? You know, what's, what's, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, well, you see, like if I were to drink, I would put a needle in my arm <laughs> and I would start <laughs> shooting heroin. <laughs> Um, and like that yes. usually just stops. Yeah, usually, like, yeah. They that's... like they just don't know like what to do. They're like, let's just keep. W- I can there... see Mary getting so uncomfortable. Yeah. She gets very uncomfortable, and I have like no shame. So she's just like, what the fuck, dude? We were just watching the Ravens. Yeah, what? It's, it's, it's like, third down. Let's let's, trying, let's, let's watch the game. We're, just we're not going to talk anymore. We're just trying to have a shot before the game, and you're you're bringing yeah, like we're not going to talk anymore. And I'm fine, but like everyone yeah. else is now just in a weird place. But that's like, but that's a weird like. And only if people are pushing, but with work, work's tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I've only had I've only been pressured once, mm. um, and I'm just like, no, I'm drinking mm. water. Um, but no one knows that I'm, you know, in recovery at work. Like I I don't I don't broadcast it. Um, Did you say you're a health you know, nut. The, well, people do know that. Um, oh, yeah. about me so no shit. like they're like oh you don't eat meat you don't eat that's dairy. my excuse you know? to everyone thinks i yeah. don't because i'm working out all the time i'm like, confident yeah. that eric eats leaves yeah no, they think else. that's about me too I yeah mean, yeah it's like like you can get away with a lot of it like and like i've i'm actually somewhat open about like um certain health issues that i have with like gi and like allergies so i'm just like yeah i just i mean i can't I don't know, like, I'm on, like, a really special diet right now, and I, I just can't do that. Um, or I'm just, like, I just drink water, or I don't drink. And I don't need to go into this whole explanation mm-hmm. of, like, yeah. if you can't fucking respect the fact that I don't drink, like, 
Fuck know, that we're person. co-workers. This is weird. Why mm-hmm. are we talking about this? Yeah. Right? Like, do you mm-hmm. really need to, like, go this in-depth? Like, mm-hmm. let's, I don't know, like, the quarter's almost over. Let's talk about that. Yeah. We talk about that. I feel more comfortable talking about that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But it's only happened to me one time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about, like, are you talking about, like, conferences or, like, work functions and, like, stuff like that? I think I just work with a lot of people who are, like, not very socially uh, capable. And yeah. they just like to push. But the instance that I had was, like, a social event where somebody yeah. got really, like, kind of weird with me about it. Mm. But work is weird. Uh, I work in such a – I work in a type of job where my – where relationships with drugs and alcohol are, are very, like, yeah. taboo. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a tough topic. I, again – I default to, like, I work out a lot. Health. And health reasons, yeah. Because yeah. mm. people don't usually ask. If you say health, like, they don't, they're just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, my wife is, which is so, I, I just got married a month ago, so it's still weird to say that. Um, it is weird. Um, my wife uh, is one of those quote-unquote normal people. She smoked pot twice. In her life, she was like, "Yeah, I didn't really like it. I, I got hungry, and then I got tired, and I didn't like it. I don't. I didn't do drugs." And she's like, "When I go out, I I'll have two hard ciders, and then I'll go home." And I'm like, "Who are you? And how did I marry you?" <laughs> I was like, "I smoked a lot of cocaine. You know that, right?" But anyway, um, to answer the person, our Twitter fan, uh, their question, um, on on our first date, uh. It was interesting because she was a barista at Starbucks and NA people love fucking coffee. And they they all just sort of knew who we were. And so whenever we would come in and I would be in the group of people they knew were drug addicts. So on our first date, she was like, so I see you with all those NA people. And I was like, oh, you know? And so it was it was pretty straightforward. But um, it, ultimately, like... I stay in my lane. Um, there's only been a couple instances where she's like gone out with friends and then come home and like smelled without smelled like alcohol, but it 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 goes to like a lot of what we talked about. Like it's it's boundaries, it's fucking boundaries, and being able to under, understand and have the confidence that no is a complete sentence. You, you genuinely don't have to explain shit to that person. You're like, I don't drink. Boom. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the fucking mm-hmm. conversation. You don't, you don't have to elaborate if you don't want to. You don't have to tell it's for health reasons. You don't have to tell it's for recovery reasons. Just say no. Mm-hmm. And, like, God, that – oh, that just came out of me. Just say no. Like, we all grew it's up okay. with that. Like, <laughs> in all the interactions of drugs and alcohol, how many times have we honestly been peer pressured? Like, five? I, I'm, like, I'm more the peer pressure. You're the peer pressure because you're a dick. You're like, what do you mean you don't do you you don't do SAS? What's wrong with you? You don't it's even a know. Great question. It's not. It's a fucking weird question, dude. It's a, I I disagree. You're We've fucking, talked about this before. You're a fucking weirdo, dude. You're weird. I, I love you. Um, <laughs> That's weird. That got weird. That got weird. Okay. Oh my. But yeah, to 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 our fan. Oh uh, weird. Be be confident in in your boundaries and be proud of yourself that you don't drink and. Real quick, um, I love that alcohol is the magical substance that it's weird if you don't use it. Like mm-hmm. if if I yeah. told if I told everybody it's like I'm not eating bacon anymore, everybody like, okay. I, like <laughs> I, I'm giving up sugary drinks. Okay, 
I, I'm not whoa. drinking alcohol. Whoa. Well, okay. whoa, hey, whoa, no, whoa, whoa. So if I was like, if someone's to you is like, yeah, I'm not going to eat meat anymore. People are not. That's your audience, though. I'm a meat eater. I'm well, a fucking carnivore. Like I'm when you tell saying, me you're not eating beef I know, anymore, you're, you're I think saying, you're weird. You're, you're, you're giving this example, but like when I'm that's like, true, dude. I'm going vegan. You're like, what? No more. What the fuck's wrong with you? You know no, what I the, mean? But I get that. But it's the same. Though. But that's very yeah. normalized. Whereas like when I hear somebody doesn't drink, now maybe this is because I don't drink and I have a reason why. But I, I'm like, there must be something wrong. That's my yeah. default to thinking that. Versus when somebody mm. chooses not to eat meat, I'm like, okay, they're just making a dietary well, decision. It could be religion. Yeah. Um, I do know someone mm-hmm. that I work with who's actually allergic to hops. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, there are... Yeah, I know someone that's allergic to alcohol, too. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing? Yeah. He's, he yeah. can only Whoa, drink you, like, spirits Whoa, because so he can't drink beer. so if you were, like, beer. 13 and didn't know that shit and you fucking drank a beer... And almost die. Yeah, you could go into anaphylactic shock. Mm-hmm. I guess. Holy Depends shit! On your, you know how allergic you are to it. Mm-hmm. I never really thought of that. Are there people who are allergic to bacon? Um, God, pork. I hope not. That would be so sad. Oh god, so not sad. specifically bacon. We that talked about be. bacon like four times <laughs> on this podcast. No, it's so good. All right. All right. All right. Any yeah. more? Any more questions? No, that's that's it. That's so, it. Uh, that's it. I guess um, <laughs> Cynthia, we'll, we'll give you a second here to uh, you know plug your podcast and you know everything that you have going on. So where where can people find you? Yeah. So I have a podcast. It is called Getting Your Shit Together. I I post every Thursday. You nice. can find me on all the social platforms. So I'm like on Spotify. Like iTunes, I don't know what's it called now. I don't know, but um, Pandora, I'm on there and SoundCloud as well. I have a Instagram. I am pretty active on that. It's called it's at getting your ish together because you can't swear on Instagram because they're you fuckers. can't swear on Instagram. And no, not in your name. You can't. Um, and then yes, but of course I swear all the time on Instagram as I type. Yeah, but, um, you can find me there. Uh, as well as Twitter as getting your sh- H. So, because I couldn't get the whole thing in there. So, mm-hmm. you can find me on Twitter there. I post, like I said, I have new shows every Thursday. Um, so, if you have questions, I do Q&A. I do interviews. I talk a lot about recovery. I talk about um, just a lot of life stuff in general and just things that I'm going through. I swear a lot on my podcast, too. So, if you're into swearing, You'll probably like my podcast as well. Um, and then I'm all yes. Um, and I also like to talk about uh, being in recovery from a person of color experience because it can kind of be different depending on uh, your environment. So if that really? resonates, please seek me the hell out. Oh, yeah. Huh. Oh, yes. All right. Yes. Well, we would like to uh, thank our friend Cynthia for joining us today. Golf clap, Golf everyone. Clap. Thank you for yeah. having me. Absolutely. Um, here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. 
We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us, Cynthia. Uh, follow us, Thank follow you. Cynthia on all her feeds, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, which I didn't know was a thing. And apparently Instagram, which is like the Chick-fil-A of fucking shit and can't let you curse on in there. Anyway, sorry, everybody. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stay clean.